0: I am so excited to be here today. Uh, It's summertime, folks. Kids are out of school. We're getting ready to get into Memorial Day. It's going to be such a great summer. I love summer, uh, and Ohioans especially love summer to death because typically here we only get it for two weeks. Right, and so we got to hold on to everything that we got, right? We love summer. I mean, there's so many great things to do in the summer, right? Go to the beach. Anybody like the beach out here? Come on, like the beach. Anybody like to go out on the boat? Come on. What about vacation? We love it. The summer has so many great things to offer us, and it's a great, great time of year. And I truly believe that if summer is not One of your favorite seasons after this sermon series. It definitely will be because we're starting a brand new sermon series today entitled Summer Road Trip. And we're going to be taking a look at some of the parables that Jesus taught and see what they mean to us today. And so I can't wait to dive into this. I'm so excited about it. And before we get into the whole thing, I really want to break down the meaning of a parable because it does no good. If I get up here and talk about parables, and you have no idea what I'm talking about. And so, if we look at the true definition of a parable, a parable defined is a simple story used to illustrate a moral or spiritual lesson as told by Jesus in the Gospels. And so, again, it's a story that Jesus is telling to either the disciples or anyone who is around to try to uh, illustrate a picture Of his father, and this is awesome. This is a great thing about parables. In every parable, we can always find ourselves, and we can find God in it. So, parables are not just for your neighbor. Uh, It's not just for the person behind you. It's it's actually about us and how we can relate to God, and how God can relate back to us. And I love parables. Uh, I can relate to parables. Uh, My wife often tells me that I speak in parable. Uh, Let me tell you what I mean by that. Uh, She often asks me questions like, babe, why didn't you do the dishes? And then I proceed to tell a long story that has absolutely nothing to do with why I did not do the dishes and hopefully, somehow she'll get lost in the web of story that she'll forget why she even asked me why I didn't do the dishes, right? And she asked me these questions and said, babe, why every time I ask you a question, why do you got to go into this long, drawn-out story? I said, babe, because I'm just trying to be like Jesus, okay? I just want to speak in parable. Just come on. Give me a break. And so uh, it's funny, but also it's very, very, very true. And so um, I just want to be like Jesus, and I hope today that most of you, when you leave here, will not feel different at all about that too. So let's go ahead and let's pray. Jesus, I thank you so much that we get to come into your presence, God, that we get to experience you. God, do something amazing in this space. God, remove me from the equation and just show up in these people's lives. Our hearts are ready to receive what you have for us. It's your son's name we pray, amen. Amen. And so we're gonna begin and dive into this scripture. It's found in Matthew chapter nine, verses 16-16. Through seventeen, And here's what it says. Jesus is talking to his disciples. And <clears throat> he begins this parable off by saying this. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. Talk about a conversation starter, right? So no one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. For the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse. Neither do people pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst, the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour the new wine into new wineskins, and they are both preserved. And so we're talking about wineskins. Jesus here is breaking down this parable. He's talking about wineskins and cloth. And, you know, you ever read the Bible and just say, can we get it in English, please? Right? So we're saying, Jesus, just break it down for us. And so that's what we're going to take some time to do today. We're going to take time and break this down and see exactly what Jesus was trying to say. But before we get into all that, I really want to break down the wineskin. What in the world is a wineskin? People often stored wine in leather bags in the old days. Bags and bottles functioned the same kind of back in those times. And it was to contain wine, although the storage process is different. Wineskins were easier to make than a glass bottle. See, back in the day, they didn't have the factories where they could just make glass. There was no companies out there who were maximizing their potential by making glass bottles for all of us to enjoy a nice Coke, right? Right. Okay. And so there were no glass bottles. They just had leather bags. So if you can imagine your wife's leather purse being filled with wine, that's kind of like how it was. And so they were filling these wineskins with wine. And so the wineskins were easier to make than the glass bottles. And the quality of the skin was easier to judge than the glass But each skin had its own functional lifetime. So based on the quality of the wine skin would determine how long the wine skin was functional for. So if it was good leather, it was um, probably going to last maybe, I don't know, let's say four months. But if it's like the rest of us, the regular folks, the pleather, hello, (laughs) right? right, It probably lasted for like two days, right? So this is what's happening. But you use what you got and then they put the wine into the wine skins. The idea is that the old stuff wears out and becomes unsuitable for the use of new materials. A wineskin slowly interacts with the wine, and it makes it brittle and inflexible with age. So what is all of this about? What is all this wineskin? What is all this talk? I'm not trying to get drunk. What are you telling me about wineskins for, Jesus? What do you want me to get? Well, the point of this analogy is that Jesus is proposing new ideas, new ways of behaving and evaluating life. Ways that are incompatible with our older mindsets. In other words, people have to unlearn some of their old concepts in order to accommodate some new ideas. Maybe I could say it like this and we'll all get it. It's hard to teach an old dog new tricks, right? But Jesus is here saying to us, hey, listen, old dogs, home dogs, road dogs, I want to teach you some new tricks, But in order for me to teach you some new tricks, you're going to have to let go of some of the old mindsets, some of the old ways about yourself. I want to do something new, but I can't do it if you're still holding on to old ideas and concepts. Jesus' new way of relating didn't fit into the old religious systems of that time. In fact, it was a slur to the former. Jesus was coming to fulfill the prophecy. But up until that point, they didn't have that. So what was happening is people, in order to actually have a conversation or a relationship with God, they had to go through ceremonial cleansings and washings. They had to go ahead and make sure that they sacrificed, God bless you, had to sacrifice sheep and goats and all kinds of things in order to even be in fellowship with God. And God is saying this, Jesus is looking at us, he said, listen, no more is it going to be that way. I came to fulfill the law. So now, when you have a problem, when you have an issue, you don't have to go get ceremonially cleansed. You don't have to go pick up a sheep. Where can I find one? It's not really available. What am I going to do? You don't have to do that anymore. Here's what you can do. If you got a problem, come directly to me. You can come to me. You can speak to me. You can talk to me. I can help you. I am now the sacrifice that you had to make. I am it. I am he. But this was a slur to their old ways, to their old systems. Jesus was coming to do something brand new, and he wanted his disciples to be prepared to embrace it and establish his kingdom on the earth after he left. The same is true for you today. All of us have perspectives on God and religious experiences that we've had. We've all got our ways of thinking about God, things that we've heard about God, things that maybe make sense to us, things that maybe we were taught, doesn't necessarily mean that they're true. you got to research it for yourself. And if God's trying to do a new thing in your life, boy, I would hate to see you hold on to some of the old things because God wants to do a new thing in you. But the real question is this. What will you do when God requires something different of you? See, he wants to do something new in you, but he will require something different from you. You can't have the new wine, the old wine skins. you got to do something new. you got to do something different. So what will you do? I believe we only have two options. The first is this. You will be stagnant. You will grow stagnant. Here's what stagnant is. We stay the same. We never take steps towards the plan and the purpose that God has for our lives. We become complacent. And that prevents us from embracing the new things that God wants to do In our lives, we get stuck where we are and become satisfied with being stagnant. I don't want to be stuck on stupid, right? I want to move forward in life. I want to experience some new things. I want to see what God has for me. But a lot of us are stuck. We're stagnant. We're staying in the same spot. We don't want to move. And people who are stagnant, they all say the same thing. You know them, right? They say stuff like, well, this is just who I am. This is just me, and you don't like it, you don't got to be around me, because this is who I am, and I ain't going to change for nobody, right? They say things like this, well, I've always been this way. I've always been this way. Or here's the funny thing. Well, you know, God made me like this. Anybody got a rude relative in here? Don't look at them. We all got one rude relative, right? I got a rude relative. He's an uncle. And he does rude things. And we always got to pull him aside and say, hey, you know, honestly, we love you. But that was super rude. And you know what he says? Well, this is just who I am. God made me this way. No, no, no. God did not make you rude. You are being rude by choice. You have a choice to make. But a lot of us will say things like, well, this is just who I am. This is who God made me. No, God didn't make you that way. You have a choice. You have to choose something different. This is one thing that I've noticed about stagnant people is they never grow spiritually. They never grow emotionally. and They never grow mentally. They're always stuck in the same spot, talking about the same things, the same old hurts the same old arguments, the same this, the same that, they never grow. And it's tough to engage with people like that, especially if you're on a path to growth. Watch what it says in Proverbs twelve fifteen: The way of the fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man is he who listens to counsel. Simply saying this, if you're willing to listen to what people have to say to you, you're going to grow. You're going to be wise. You're going to have a great life. But if you're one of those people, say, man, this is just who I am this is just me, this is just what it is, this is just this is how it's going to be, God made me this way, and if you don't like it, you can get from around me, no, you have to be a person to listen to counsel, when someone says, hey, you're a jerk, you got to wear that, especially if it's true, what's the old saying, if the shoe fits, wear it, you can either do that, or you can pass it off to your wife, Um. But whatever you do, you must own that. You must own that. So it becomes stagnant. We stay in the same place. So we can either do that or we can embrace the change to come. And here's number two, the other thing that I believe that we can choose to do is grow. Here's what growing people do. This person is one who never settles for the status quo and is willing to embrace the new thing that God wants to do in his life. Or in her life, they believe that God has more and there was always another step in the journey with Jesus. This isn't about, this is, listen, you got to get this, a person who's growing, they understand this fundamental fact, ready? They believe this, that it isn't about perfection, it's always about progressing, Listen, perfection lasted 33 years on this planet. That's a pretty tight window, which means you can't fit through it. But what it does mean is that we can attain to hit some perfection. So basically, the mindset that you need to have as a person who's growing is to say, you know what? I might have been terrible two hours ago, but I'm going to keep getting better. Hey, I might have had a bad day yesterday, but I'm going to keep getting better. Hey, my finances were jacked up two years ago, but I'm going to keep getting better. Hey, my marriage was in a rough spot, but I'm going to keep getting better because I'm a person that grows. I'm not stagnant. I need to see growth. And if I need to see growth, I understand that it's not about perfection. It's about progressing, moving towards some new things, moving toward those things that God has for you spiritually, emotionally, physically, and mentally. And you can't grab a hold of the new if you won't let go of the old. You want God to do something new in your life? You want to grab a hold of the new stuff that God has for you? You got to let go of some old things. You got to let go of some old hurts. You got to let go of some old mindsets. You got to let go of some old things that are in your life that are holding you back. God says, I have so many new things for you. But I can't get them to you if your hands are always clenched tight, holding on to what was. Let it go. Listen, if they walked out of your life... If they left you, if you never see them again, that's fine. Let them go. You don't need them. Let them go. There are so many things. I don't want to be angry. I don't want to hold on to thoughts of malice and wrath towards another person because of something that they did to me. I need to let that go because God has blessings for me. And I can't receive those things if I'm holding on to stuff that hurt me in my past. What is God calling you to let go so that you can grab a hold of the new? You know what it is. What is he calling you to let go so you can grab a hold of the new? What kind of concepts have you been holding on to? What kind of things have you been believing, things that aren't true, things that you're holding on to that will hold you back from fulfilling your destiny, from getting exactly what God wants for you? To accomplish new goals, believe this, you must incorporate new strategy. To accomplish new goals, you must incorporate new strategy. Listen, I want some new goals in my life. I got to do some new things. I got to do some new strategies. I got to look at it. Here at AC, man, I love it. I love being a part of this church. It's an amazing place. We have been taking a look at systems and strategies, just trying to get better at how we do things. And I got to tell you, it's amazing. Because what it's doing is it's making us more efficient. What a sad life. To live a life and say, you know what, this person died, but they were rich. Or this person died, but they were well-liked by everybody. No, on my tombstone, I wanted to say Ryan lived a great life and he was efficient. We have small spaces of time that we're allotted on this earth. And I want to spend every single moment of my life being effective and efficient for the kingdom. I don't have time to waste on holding on to old things. I've got to move towards something new. God wants us to move towards those new things. Strategies and systems get us from where we are to where God wants us to be. They are the vehicle that drives us to our destiny. A lot of us are so worried about our destination. We're so worried about our destiny, but here's the deal. If you're not willing to embrace the progress... If you're not willing to embrace this stuff along the way, you will squander away your destination and your destiny. You have to be willing to say, listen, God, even though I don't understand this process, I'm going to go along with it because I know that it's making me better. And I know that it's prepping me for what you have for me on the other side of this thing. You have to be willing to embrace the new strategies. Watch this. This is profound. You'll never hear anything like this ever again. So make sure you write this down. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing and expecting different results. Mind-blowing. It's insane. Here's the deal. I got a weight problem. I can't wait to eat. All right? I like food. There's a new place in Easton. It's called the Shake Shack, and I'm going there soon. I got it on my calendar for Father's Day. I'm excited. Here's the deal. I can't get a six-pack if I'm always eating a 12-pack of wings, an 18-pack of hot dogs. It don't work that way. If I want new results, if I want to experience having washboard abs, having a chiseled chest, having my guns out because the sun's out, I got to go to the gym, I got to work out, I got to watch my calories, because if I don't, I'm not going to get the results that I need, and I can't expect that if I'm not willing to incorporate a new strategy. My life has to change, habits have to change, I can't do the same thing, neither can you. What are some of the new habits and disciplines that you need to implement to replace the old ones? What are some of the new things that you need to implement? You need to implement maybe waking up a little bit earlier. Maybe do you need to implement not being so angry all the time or flying off at the handle? How about spending habits? You want this, but you're not willing to do that. Watch what Matthew 19, 26 says. But Jesus looked at them and said, with men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. The reason why we're reading that scripture is because I believe whatever your strategy is, Jesus needs to be at the center of it. Jesus needs to be at the center of every strategy that you put out there. You want a better household? Yeah, you can implement whatever kind of strategy you want to from a self-help book, but you need Jesus at the center and the base of your new strategy. You want some new things to happen in your finances? You better make sure that Jesus is at the center of your finances. Come on, Tive. Jesus has to be at the center of your strategy. You can't go it alone. In fact... You probably have been doing it alone for a long time. Pause. Here's a good question. How's it working? God can do so much more with way less. All you have to do is give it to him. Incorporate new strategies. And the new strategy needs to have Jesus at the center. Watch this. When it comes to your careers, when it comes to your relationships, When it comes to your finances or your family or your kids, Jesus needs to be central of all of it. Our world now revolves around him. And when it does, he promises to lead us to life and life at its fullest. You know, my wife, Lindsay, and I, we realized that we needed a new strategy and a new goal to reach the students of today. Students are different. Teenagers are different than they used to be in the 90s. They're way different. In fact, I never thought that I'd be the old person to say, I just don't understand these kids, man. They're crazy. I don't get it, right? I never thought that'd be me, but here I am. I don't understand the new lingo or the new style. I don't get it, but I'm trying my best. What we realize is what worked in the past isn't going to work today. What used to work, what used to reach them, is not going to reach them anymore. We got to do something new. We got to get a new strategy. But Jesus has to be at the center of it. Things that were cool when we were young, it's not as cool anymore. Think about what you were wearing in the 70s or the 80s. Or the nineties, just think about it. Think get that picture in your mind. I know it's bad, right? So it's not cool today. We had Sega Genesis, they got apps. We had voicemail, answer machines, pagers. Who remembers a pager? Now they got cell phones. That do everything. I remember when I was younger, my mom used to give me emergency quarters for the payphone. When's the last time you saw a payphone? If you do, take a picture and post it. That's awesome. There's so many things that used to be cool, that used to be relevant, that no longer have merit with these kids. They're completely removed from it. But here's what we understand. The message will stay the same because it's timeless. The message of Jesus Christ is timeless. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care what anybody tells you. It does not make a difference what age you are or what generation you are. Jesus is still good just like he was last year, just like he was 2,000 years ago. He's still relevant today. He still can make changes in your life today. It does not matter what anyone tells you. It's not true. He's still the same. The message of the gospel is still that awesome. It doesn't need a lot of help, it just needs somebody to tell it. Jesus' message is classic. Kind of like DJ Jazzy Jeff and Fresh Prince. Summertime is classic. You know it. It's a signal that summer is upon us, right? The message will stay the same. But watch this. The method will change with culture. We'll come up with new strategies, new ways. But if Jesus is at the center, it's going to work. And that's why me and my wife cast a vision for the hype a few months ago. We got to launch it in the spring. You say, well, what is hype? Is it a nightclub? No. Close. What the hype is, is an opportunity for your students to get closer to Jesus. And say, well, how'd you come up with the name? Well, it's great that you asked the question. I want to answer it. You see, there's a story in the Bible about a woman at a well. And Jesus met her there. And they had a conversation. He didn't beat her in the head with the Bible, he didn't say, listen to me, I'm Jesus, I'm the Savior. My first miracle was turning water into wine. Didn't you know? No. It started with a conversation right where she was. They were talking about water. And from that conversation led to Jesus being able to speak directly into her life. And it changed her forever. She left the well different. That's how it should be at church. This is the well. You should live different. You should leave different. You can't leave the same if you have a true encounter. Here's what happens She has a conversation, her life has changed. But this is what she didn't do she didn't leave the conversation at the well. She took it back to her city and she began to tell all the great and amazing things that Jesus did for her in a moment. How her life was changed at the well. And these people said, You gotta be kidding me. There's no way. Sounds like a bunch of hype. And so they went to the well only to discover that they truly can believe the hype about Jesus. Yes, he is that good. Yes, he's a friend to the friendless. Yes, he's a doctor. Yes, he's a healer. Yes, he's amazing. He's everything that you'll ever need. That's what they discovered. At the well, because of a conversation, they now can believe the hype about Jesus. It translates to the same thing today. We want to start conversations with your teenagers that they can take to their schools to say, Hey, listen, friends, you can believe the hype about Jesus. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on in your world, but the only constant, the only consistent that you'll ever need in your life is Jesus Christ. That's all you need conversation with Jesus didn't stay at the well and that's just not for students that's for us believe the hype believe the hype don't leave the conversation at the well take it to your job take it to Thanksgiving dinner take it with you on vacation Take it to your kids in the car ride where it's awkward because they have their earbud in and you know they're listening to music that they shouldn't be, but you want to start a conversation. But you feel weird because you don't want to start a conversation because you're too old and so you just kind of sit there in silence. That whole thing. Talk to them. Start the conversation. Yeah, there's a generational gap, but Jesus is multi-generational. That's what you need to remember. Be like the woman at the well who continued the conversation because she had a new wine in her, because God did something new in her and she couldn't just let it stay. She had to pour it out. The band's gonna come. God's doing some amazing things in the hype. It's been amazing to see lives changed. It's been even more amazing to be able to play a small part in it. Our team is amazing. Our volunteers, our crew is just awesome. They're off the charts we love for your students to be a part of it. So if you got students in the sixth grade, all the way up to senior high, get them here on Wednesday nights at seven. That is a shameless plug. (laughs) Shameless for the hype on Wednesday nights. Make sure you get them here. But my question today is not just for the students, but it's for you. What is the new thing that God wants to do in you at the well? What's he want to do in you? What's the new thing that God wants to do? It's a good question. Watch what Isaiah says. It's found in Isaiah 43, verses 16 through 19. Check this out. It says, this is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and the horses, the army and reinforcements together, all lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed. That's what God will do for your enemies. He'll extinguish them. He'll snuff them out. He's the same God from yesterday, today. He said, listen, I did all those things. Forget those though. Forget all that. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? He's asking a question. Do you not see it? I'm trying to do something new. I'm trying to get something new to you. Do you not get it? God lists out the miracles that he performed when he was leading the Israelites into the promised land, and he tells them to quit focusing on the past, not just the bad things, but the good things. See, we get so caught up in the good old days. Oh, man, you remember the good old days. Remember when it used to be like this. Remember when it used to be like that. Friends, God says, I'm doing a new thing. Don't get so wrapped up in the past that you miss what I'm doing today. Because what I'm doing today can propel you for your future. I want to do something new. Can't you see that? You have to see the new vision and destiny that God has for your lives so you can grab a hold of it. As you stand to your feet today, I want to leave you with this thought. God has an amazing plan for you. Don't stay stuck in the past. Don't be stagnant in the present. But be willing to embrace the change so that you can grow into all God has for you. God wants to do something new in your lives. But in order to get something new, you got to let go of the old. you got to be willing to embrace something new. you got to be willing to embrace new strategies and new systems and new ideas. God will embrace you if you embrace the new. Embrace the new. We're getting ready to sing. We're getting ready to worship. This is an opportunity for you to say, God, I'm letting go of my old thoughts. I'm letting go of my old ways. I'm going to give it all to you. And in return, I'm going to receive the new things that you have for me. I'm going to receive the new destiny that you have for me. I'm going to receive the new call that you have for me. Because I know it's way better than what I can imagine or think.